Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sending by. My name is Angela, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Uber fourth quarter 22 earnings conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press the star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Thank you. It is now my pleasure to turn today's conference over to Mr. Balaji Krishnamurti. Sir, please go ahead. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Uber's fourth quarter 2022 earnings presentation. On the call today, we have Uber CEO Dara Khosra Shahi and CFO Nelson Che. During today's call, we will present both GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. Additional disclosures regarding these non-GAAP measures, including a reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP measures, are included in the press release, supplemental slides, and our filings with the SEC, each of which is posted to investor.uber.com. As a reminder, these numbers are unaudited and may be subject to change. Certain statements in this presentation and on this call are forward-looking statements. Such statements can be identified by terms such as believe, expect, intend, and may, and you should not place undue reliance on forward-looking statements. Actual results may differ materially from these forward-looking statements, and we do not undertake any obligation to update any forward-looking statements we make today, except as required by law. For more information about factors that may cause actual results to differ materially from forward-looking statements, please refer to the press release we issued today, as well as risks and uncertainties described in our most recent annual report on Form 10-K for the year ended December 31, 2021, and in other filings made with the SEC when published. We published our quarterly earnings press release, prepared remarks, and supplemental slides to our investor relations website earlier today, and we asked you to review those documents if you haven't already. We will open the call to questions following brief opening remarks from Dara. With that, let me hand it over to Dara. Thanks, Balaji. Uber delivered our strongest quarter ever in Q4, with gross bookings of 26% year-on-year on a constant currency basis. Adjusted EBITDA of $665 million exceeded the high end of our guidance for the sixth quarter in a row, and we delivered strong incremental adjusted EBITDA margin of 12%. We reached several new milestones this quarter. We crossed 2 billion quarterly trips, and our mobility consumer base exceeded 100 million for the first time in our history. At the same time, we're laser-focused on making Uber the best platform for earners. With over 5.4 million people earning on Uber around the world, another all-time high. Put simply, the Uber platform has never been stronger, and we're making great progress building on our platform advantage through advertising, and membership. Despite any macroeconomic uncertainty, I'm more confident than ever in our prospects. We're entering the year with great momentum. Mobility trip growth is accelerating and delivery remains resilient. But we are far from complacent and will continue to hold ourselves to high standards of growth and profitability to deliver yet another record year in 2023. With that, let's open it up to questions. Angela, please. Questions. Your first question comes from the line of Eric Sheridan with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Thanks so much. Uh, maybe two questions, if I could. 
Dara, as, as you think forward to 2023 and you sort of aligned an array of products between delivery and mobility, how should we be thinking about uh, Uber One as a subscription product and, and elements of either leaning in behind growth and, and pushing adoption of the product to create a, a wider moat around the collection of assets you have versus maybe just letting virality build around the subscription product? How do we think about active versus passive approach to driving the subscription element of the business? And then, obviously, one of the more recurring themes during earnings season has been elements of continued efficiency and cost-cutting within organizations. You guys have laid out a, an incremental margin strategy, but how should we be thinking about your broader views on efficiency inside the organization, especially with respect to uh, some of the corporate costs inside the company's cost structure? Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. So, in terms of Uber One, we think Uber One is a terrific uh, membership program. It's the only one, you know, if you think about uh, the Uber One benefits, we think about that as content. So uh, Uber One has the best content in terms of uh, mobility subscriptions and movement subscriptions than any other similar subscription. Uh, we got over 12 million members up uh, with membership having nearly doubled for 2022, which is terrific. Uh, and our efforts here are quite active. I mean, we are pushing Uber One. You'll see it on uh, our delivery services. You'll see it on our mobility services. Uh, and we are quite actively continuing to innovate uh, in terms of the benefits that we offer. And the results are pretty spectacular. Um, members spend monthly 4.1 times uh, the amount that non-members do on a monthly basis. So it creates great stickiness. And member retention is 15% greater than non-member retention. Uh, so in period, in the initial months in which we acquire a member, uh, that member is actually loss-making because the discounts that we offer are greater than uh, the in-period value of that 4.1x. But over the lifetime of the member, uh, the membership creates a significant moat and a significant growth opportunity for our business. Um, you will see membership uh, uh, counts continue to increase, and you'll see the percentage of our bookings coming from membership continue to increase as well. Globally, about 25% of our gross bookings come from members. Uh, in the U.S., for example, 40% of our delivery gross bookings come from members, and it's a moat that we will, will, that, that we will continue to actively uh, develop. Uh, Nelson, you want to talk about costs? Sure. So, so Eric, for us, as you probably recall, our call to action moment was actually in 2020. Uh, and if you recall back then, our mobility business was over 85% of the, of the company's gross bookings. And as we sat here in April of 2020, that business was down 80%. So as you recall, we acted pretty decisively during that time. We took over a billion dollars of cost out of our, our infrastructure. Uh, we shut her down to a bunch of businesses. And unfortunately, we did have to let go over 20% of our headcount. So we've been really focused on efficiency since then. Um, I think you've heard us lay out our plans, and I think Dara mentioned on CNBC, you know, in 2021, we, we wanted to really push hard for, for EBITDA profitability, and again, we achieved that metric in 2021. Last year, we talked about being free cash flow positive at some point in the year, and again, we achieved that metric. And, and now we're talking about being gap operating profit at some point later in the year, and we expect to continue to achieve that metric. Now, we've done this, and you mentioned incremental margins. We've done this because we've focused efficiently on cost, and we've been laser-focused on it. So our headcount will largely be relatively flat 
uh, this year. And even if you go back to the buildup that many companies had over the past few years, you know, we've grown our headcount about 10%, excluding the freight business, over the period of time. And our gross bookings went from $62 billion in 2019 to $115 billion last year. So just think about that growth and that efficiency. Where we've hired heads has been in some areas of techs selectively, as well as some sales folks on the, uh, the delivery business. Uh, and you can see that it's certainly uh, been beneficial. So our goal is really to drive the income margins we laid out last year at Investor Day. Um, I think we've overachieved against all of the metrics uh, on the profitability side. And again, as Dara mentioned, you know, the year started off quite well, which is why you saw us raise guidance for the first quarter. And we're going to just continue to leverage our cost base, which is driving the incremental margins that you're seeing the throughput on. Great. Thank you. Next question. Your next question comes from the line of Brian Nowak with Morgan Stanley. Thanks for taking my questions. I have two. The first one on frequency and engagement on the platform. You've made really good progress now. You're at like 5.4 trips per month um, versus about five last year but still below, I think, the peak levels Dara used to talk about in 2019. I guess the question on frequency is, where have you made the most progress, sort of getting that frequency per rider up, and how do you think about the key drivers throughout 23 to sort of get that back to 2019 levels and beyond? And then the second one is on the incremental margins. You know, the delivery incremental margins continue to, to deliver um, above your analyst day targets. Any things we should think about that are sort of one-time-ish in nature or different competitive dynamics as to why the incremental margins and delivery shouldn't stay at these elevated levels as we go throughout 2023? Thanks. So I'll handle the first one. I'll start saying I'll handle the second part of that. So if you think about the incremental margins uh, on the delivery business, yeah, we've been very pleased with um, the throughput. So it's been about over 20% uh, if you think about last year. And it's really been driven by three areas. Or it may be four, but, you know, we, we really did focus on efficiency in the marketplace. And we have benefited from the fact that a lot of the players are trying to follow our path to profitability, uh, especially uh, the private companies as uh, external money has uh, been harder to, to come by. So that benefit has certainly been there, and we believe that will continue. Um, our own technology gains on really improving the efficiency of our cost per transaction and you, I think you recall we, we talked about it a fair amount in our third quarter call where we saw a little bit of a step function improvement there. And so, we again, we expect that to do, and that's on batching and things like that, and we've seen the benefit on that. And then, frankly, we've augmented the margins of new business. And so our ads business continues to outperform the, the targets that we laid out. And so the combination of all three of those is really driving the incremental margins that you mentioned there. And so we don't necessarily see them changing so much the pace of the improvement uh, we'll certainly we'll, we'll, we'll slow down. And then in terms of uh, the frequency of, of trips, there, there are really four factors that I would point to. First of all, we just talked about our membership program. As we increase the number of members uh, in our member base and the coverage of members who tend to buy more, uh, who tend to buy more frequently, just mathematically you're going to drive frequency up. Uh, second, for us, is the power of the platform. We are constantly cross-promoting between mobility and delivery uh, and essentially sending free or cheaper traffic from one platform to the other uh, in a personalized, targeted way as well. And so you should expect more opportunities for us to upsell and cross-sell in an intelligent way driven by um, 
uh, AI and machine learning. The third is the breadth of the product that we offer. So, for example, with mobility, with reserve, and low cost, you know, reserve has been a huge hit for us. And we estimate that 50% of reserve trips are actually incremental. They wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, the other 50% are upsell, so to speak. They're more profitable than on-demand trips. Grocery is another example of new products that we are adding on and higher selection, driving higher frequency as well. And then last and certainly not least is the, the reopening, right? The shift of spend from, uh, from products to services is benefiting us. So there is a tailwind in terms of people getting out, people shopping more, people going out to dinner more, et cetera, uh, and that is helping our business as well. So it's really membership, platform, new products, and then the macro environment that's helping frequency. Uh, and we expect to see that frequency, that 5.4, continue to increase over a period of time. And there's no reason that I see why we shouldn't hit or exceed our all-time highs over a period of time. Great. Excellent. Thank you both. You're welcome. Your next, next question. Your next question comes from Ross Sandler with Barclays. Hey, guys. Uh, just a question hey, about um, – Hey, the uh, upfront fare and, and upfront destination uh, technology that you shipped. Um, so you noted in the letter that you saw about a 4% increase in conversion. So I guess just some context around that. How, how does this innovation compare to others that you've shipped in the past in terms of, uh, like, magnitude of overall impact? And as you look forward over the next couple of years, do you see other – technology updates that, that in the future that could be as impactful as, as what you've done, uh, you know, with, with Upfront. Thanks a lot. Ross, it, it's, um, it, it's very difficult to predict impact, but I will tell you that uh, uh, the Upfront destinations and Upfront fares has been one of our largest releases ever. Uh, it takes a huge amount of work in the background in terms of training models, testing it out in various markets to make sure that we got it right. Uh, and it was it was the number one requested feature by driver partners. They want to know what the upfront fare is going to be. They want to know what the uh, destination is going to be. Um, it's, a, it's an important part of the information that drivers process through as to whether or not they want to accept a particular trip or not. Uh, and it, it's just been uh, a home run for us in terms of the number of trips uh, that are uh, that we're able to drive through the marketplace, so the improved throughput in the marketplace, uh, reduction in cancellations because drivers now know up front whether or not they are going to accept or not. Uh, this is a feature that we are now uh, expanding around the world. So we've launched it in the U.K. now, outside of London, uh, and, for example, we see a much higher percentage of fulfillment rates than we did previously, and now we're carefully rolling out, out in London, and we will continue to roll it out market by market by market. Uh, so it's difficult to predict, you know, what our um, uh, engineers are going to come up with. Uh, we're very, very happy with this feature, but uh, I would never underestimate the power of our uh, engineers at Uber. So hopefully we will have another hit like Upfront Fares coming up. Next question. Your next question comes from the line of Mark Mahaney with Evercore. 
Uh, thanks. Two questions, please. You talk about the impact of these newer mobility products. Which of those in particular would you single out as having the most impact? And then just talk about the timing of rolling out upfront fares and destinations globally. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think the biggest one for us has been reserve. Uh, if you look overall at the portfolio of new products that we've introduced, those new products uh, account for about $6 billion of EBITDA, uh, sorry, uh, gross bookings. I wish it were EBITDA, uh, but gross bookings for the quarter, uh, and it's about 20% of our growth. And that portfolio is growing at about 100% year-on-year. So it will continue to be a larger and larger portion of our overall bookings. Uh, and reserve is the biggest one. Uh, we talked about it being over $2 billion. It is a terrific uh, product, especially as travel opens up. Uh, typically, if you think about traveling uh, to and from the hotel and then coming back, there are about four trips that are available to us. And we capture, you know, one to one and a half uh, of those trips. So we think there's still a significant runway for us to continue to grow reserve. Um, I am also very, very uh, interested personally in, in our low-cost product. This is UberX Shared, the opportunity for uh, two or three uh, passengers to get into the car. It's more efficient for the marketplace. It's better for the environment. You know, our dream is to have um, all of our trips shared uh, in an EV. Uh, that would be a beautiful thing in terms of congestion and in terms of the environment uh, as well. Uh, and then last and certainly not least is hailables, right? There are two-wheelers, three-wheelers, but especially taxis. There are over 20 million vehicles that are hailable vehicles in the world, about four and a half million taxis. It's a huge base of drivers and vehicles uh, that we think we should power, Uber should power, because we are the number one uh, uh, kind of source of on-demand movement uh, in the world. Uh, and ultimately, we want to wire up every single vehicle, whether it's a car or a delivery vehicle or a truck or a van or a bus uh, that's available to move people or things all around the world, and taxis and hailables are a big part of it. Next question, please. Your next question comes from the line of Justin Post with Bank of America. Great. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, maybe one for Dara, one for Nelson. On, on the outlook for 24, um, I, I think there's been some headwinds from FX and some other things. In, any updates on that and, and maybe some of the puts and takes as, as you think about that uh, that you gave last year? And then, Nelson, a couple of the cost uh, issues maybe in a quarter, uh, the New York uh, minimum uh, driver fee changes and insurance costs. Maybe you could co cover those and, and how you're thinking about the potential impact in, in 23. Thanks. Well, I'll, maybe I'll try to answer both of them. So in, in terms of the FX, I mean, so we do give you constant currency numbers. Uh, the FX has gotten better um, uh, right now. We don't necessarily put that into our 24 as we're thinking about 24. Um, you know, we, we laid out guidelines last year, as you recall. Um, we think we've over-delivered against, particularly on the bottom line, the incremental margins and, and the profitability. Our, our focus is to make sure we continue that, that path. Uh, and again, um, we are focused on trying to deliver a gap operating uh, profit uh, at some point this year. And again, we, we think that we will continue to do well versus uh, the targets we laid out. But in terms of some of the costs, those are things that we just have to continue to, to mitigate. Uh, specifically on New York, 
uh, a lot of it just has to do with transparency. A lot of it just has to do with uh, making sure that the, the rule set is correct. Um, you, you know, the new 6%, you know, again, it will get absorbed into the marketplace. And then your question on insurance, insurance, I would tell you, is the one line item because we've worked, we scrubbed our whole company on every single line item, and that's the one line item that we frankly haven't made progress on in terms of reducing the, the cost per trip. Uh, a lot of it is just uh, built on what's going on more broadly in the insurance industry as the market continues to be a, a hard market. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I think even the insurance companies are having the challenges now to do the actuarial work because to repair a car is much different, right? The, the rear view mirror that was 70 bucks is now 700 with all the electronics. Uh, and so uh, we frankly, and, and, and obviously um, our earners uh, are part of that ecosystem. Um, we're, we're, as you know, we take our, our charges in, in the quarter when they come. Uh, we've done a good job managing through that. Um, but again, I think insurance will be continue to be the one item that we haven't been able to optimize. And Dara spends a lot of time working uh, with me and our teams on how we go do that. Um, but as, if you think about every other line of, the, of our P&L, we've actually done a, a pretty good job in terms of driving efficiencies out, and we'll continue to focus in on that. And just I, I realized that uh, I, I neglected to answer Mark's second question in terms of the rollout of upfront fares and destinations. You know, it is this is a very complex product that we're rolling out, and we have to make sure that our models are properly trained. Uh, so we are in the middle of our rollout in the U.K., uh, and we'll continue to roll it out um, across major markets where appropriate. I would expect that upfront fare and destination will be rolled out uh, in all of our markets globally by the end of the year in markets in which we can roll it out. Depending on regulatory issues, et cetera, we may not be able to roll, out, uh, roll it out in, in various countries, but I would expect a full rollout by the end of this year uh, uh, in markets where it's appropriate. Next question, please. Your next question comes from the line of Doug Anmuth with J.P. Morgan. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I just wanted to circle back on the delivery margins. Could you just help us, Nelson, uh, perhaps split out some of the improvement across network efficiencies, advertising, and uh, marketing incentive optimization? Thanks. Uh, no. Um, so, you know, it's, Look at it. We're focused on delivering the incremental margins that we laid that out. Um, we certainly have delivered way above where, where, what we've been talking about long term, but we expect to continue to try to deliver against the, the 7% total company, uh, and we're going to continue to look for efficiencies across. And so what I try to do there is let you know that some of them were very deliberate actions that we took in terms of making sure that uh, we are running and the marketplaces are running more efficiently regarding incentives. Some of it is just tech that, that we, we deployed, and we deployed the tech in the first half of last year, and we really saw, saw those benefits on the cost per trip. Uh, and then, again, we've talked about some new business things, and so ads is the easiest example where we've seen that continue to grow. So the ads business, we continue to expect to continue to grow and accelerate the growth, and so we'll see the benefits in the margins. Um, I think we'll continue to run an efficient marketplace. And so, yeah, I think you should expect that we'll continue to, to drive uh, margins in those businesses, but remember, we also spend time trying to invest back in. So we've invested and we've talked about it. There's some growth markets like in Japan that we've invested in, and again, we're, we now are number one in Japan from a category position perspective. So we try to manage, we're, we're going to balance, you know, both the growth uh, as well as the, the margin, the profitability, and I don't want to be too prescriptive uh, in terms of exactly how what we're doing. And I think just on ads, uh, 
for for folks out there. You know, we passed 500 million in annual run rate, uh, and that's based on increasing the number of active advertisers that we have by 80% on a year-on-year basis. But if you look at the the merchant penetration, the percentage of merchants uh, on our delivery side who are advertising, only 25% of our merchants are active in the auctions that we have going on. So we think there's substantial upside uh, to our advertising business. We committed to a billion dollars uh, in revenue by 2024, uh, and we are progressing very, very well uh, against that target. So you should expect to see more upside, both, by the way, uh, in our delivery business, but also in our mobility business. We've seen some really encouraging signal as it relates to journey ads on mobility, which you see on, on the app. Uh, click-through rates over 3%, CPMs uh, of $45, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and then a new class of ads that we're actually pretty excited about are car tops and tablets, uh, where the goal of those advertising is really to put more dollars in drivers' pockets. Uh, we'll run the advertising networks. Uh, we'll sell the products, et cetera. But the goal of those products essentially is to um, get drivers uh, greater earnings on a monthly basis, uh, which then will translate into more drivers on, on the platform and a more dependable Uber for everyone. Uh, and, uh, and that works out for the marketplace, and it works out uh, for us as well. Thank you, both. You bet. Next question. Your next question comes from the line of Deepak Massivan with Wolf Research. Great. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. So first, on the weekly active user penetration, it seems like in some markets like UK are already above kind of the pre-COVID levels, but it's still below in uh, large markets like US. You know, is there any broad reason for this lag on the user side, and how should we kind of think about this in 2023? And then uh, uh, for Nelson, you know, uh, as we go into the kind of annual comp cycle, <laughs> I hate to be the guy that asked the SBC question, but how should we think about the target compensation levels in 2023? Any uh, high-level caller you can share on your thoughts that would be helpful? Yeah, I'll, I'll start on the user trends, and then um, Nelson can talk SBC. You know, the, the reason for uh, the U.S. trailing uh, is really the West Coast. Uh, so if you if you look at the U.S., it's really a tale of two coasts. Uh, if you look at a Miami or a New York or an Atlanta or, you know, getting off the coast in Austin, Houston, et cetera, most of the U.S. Uh, is at pre-COVID levels. Uh, Canada, for example, uh, our neighbors in the north are above uh, 2019 uh, levels as well. But it really is the San Francisco's, Seattle's, Portland's, uh, Los Angeles's of uh, of our country on the West Coast that are trailing um, and are off the pace that we see pretty much everywhere else in the world. So I wouldn't generalize the U.S. Kind of non-West Coast uh, looks great. Uh, the West Coast is recovering, and we talked about in January we are having, you know, on a daily basis in mobility in uh, the U.S., trips approach pre-COVID levels as well. So all the trends are moving in the right direction, but the West Coast is definitely leaving the U.S. behind the recoveries on a global basis. So, so regarding stock-based comps, so we are looking at all parts of our cost structure, uh, including uh, employee compensation. 
Um, we recognize, and there, are, there is a fair amount of noise, particularly on the West Coast, regarding stock-based compensation. Um, what I would say is that um, we expect our, our uh, employment level to be, our headcount to be relatively stable this year. Um, we will continue to focus on performance management across all of our businesses. And so you saw that we took some uh, action in our freight business in January, and that was specific to the freight in the marketplace. And there will be some other pockets of that uh, that will happen during the course of the year. Um, I think you won't see any demonstrable uh, change in, in stock-based comp, but, you know, because it takes a long time to, to, for that to build out. But we are certainly going to manage our headcount uh, very judiciously. And then the only thing I would add is that um, because we are trying to start focusing in on gap operating profit, it obviously is part of the calculation. And so we, we recognize that as well. And so as you think about the progress we've made uh, on EBITDA, on free cash flow, and now with our focus there, you can uh, envision the, um, the amount of focus that that, that line will have uh, as we move forward. Thank you, Claude. Your next question comes from the line of Lloyd Walmsley with UBS. Uh, thanks, too, if I can. First, uh, just on Uber One, you talked about a strong pickup in, in spend and clearly like a nice LTV that covers uh, covers CAC pretty quickly, but once you're through that kind of startup cost, what do contributions look like for Uber One members versus like a non-member, and how much of a of a trade-off is the margin for the profit dollars in that plan? And then, uh, secondly, you know, do you think that driver supply is benefiting at all yet from from slower economic growth? You know, and, and to the extent we're we're seeing some of that or eventually see that, how do you think about uh, pricing and take rate on the mobility side uh, if if you get better better and better supply. Thanks. Yeah, look, Lloyd, I don't want to get into too much of the particulars of Uber One because, uh, as you can imagine, a bunch of information, uh, the data there is proprietary. But if we get an Uber One member who sticks around for a year, that Uber One member generally will be unprofitable. It's really in the second year where that Uber One member will be profitable, uh, and that's just a trade-off between frequency, order, uh, average order value, and margin. Uh, and we're actively making that trade-off uh, and driving Uber One uh, penetration. Another side benefit of Uber One is that our merchant base, an increasing percentage of our merchant base in a delivery business, is willing to pay to have, uh, let's say, advantage exposure to the most valuable members that we have uh, as it relates to the Uber audience. And as you can imagine, the Uber audience uh, is a high demo audience that moves, that spends on services, uh, that gets out of the house, and it's a very, very attractive demographic, both for emergents uh, and for advertisers as, as well. Um, in terms of driver supply, driver supply levels are very, very healthy, right? Drivers are up 35% on a year-on-year -year basis. New driver uh, count is up 34% on a year-on-year -year basis. Uh, and we have heard from our drivers that inflation is a factor that they consider. About 70% of them that are coming onto the platform uh, are coming on to, you know, to make more money so that they can afford to live in what has been an inflationary world. So we certainly think that the economic environment could be a tailwind there. And in markets where we have seen economies get weak uh, in the past, and you know, Mexico has been through some recessions, Brazil has been through some recessions, 
we definitely see weaker economic environments helping out in terms of our driver supply uh, that is a tailwind in terms of trip volumes. It's difficult to tell if that's what we're seeing. You'll remember that, you know, for 24 months now, we have been very, very focused on improving Uber as a platform for our earners. Come on in quickly, make a lot of money delivering quickly. Uh, then once we have, uh, then we'll upsell you to driving. Driver earnings are $35 per utilized hour, so, so they're at very, very high levels. Driver in- earnings uh, increased by 37% on a year-on-year basis in terms of constant currency. So I think just the earnings levels and the service that we are providing our drivers is a tailwind in addition to uh, the economic environment out there. And when you put it all together, uh, it results in a service where surge levels are coming down. Uh, so surge levels in January, for example, in the U.S. are under 20%. Uh, ETAs are coming down. Uh, ETAs in the U.S. are about four and a half minutes in January as well. So, so the marketplace itself is getting a lot more healthy and drivers are earning well at the same time, which is exactly what we want. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Next question. Next question comes from the line of Ron Josie with City. Great, thanks for taking the question. You know, Dara, on delivery, we're, we're constantly talking about or getting questions on the demand side here, just given macro challenges. And, you know, from what we're hearing on growth in January for delivery and accelerating expected growth, I guess, in February and March, you know, you mentioned habitual in the letter. How much do you think of this growth here in delivery as category adoption, better convenience, et cetera, or, or Uber-specific, as you mentioned, maybe competition isn't as great and things along those lines? Thank you. Well, I, I think that overall in the category, the delivery category has been pretty resilient uh, post-pandemic, uh, certainly more so than a lot of other categories that, that benefited from the pandemic. That said, we are um, growing faster than the category generally, if you look at us globally. Certainly in Europe, uh, we are seeing many of our competitors pull back significantly from what were unhealthy spend levels in the past that didn't make any sense. Um, they, maybe they made sense in terms of top line, but they certainly didn't make sense in terms of bottom line. Uh, and for us in delivery, we're benefiting from the power of the platform, uh, you know, very cheap audience uh, from our rise business. Remember, we get more new eaters uh, from our rise app than we do from Google and Facebook and Instagram uh, combined at about a quarter of a cost. So that is a very significant structural advantage that is assisting our delivery business. You've got our membership business that, again, is adding higher frequency, higher spend, more retention as well. Uh, we're the only player out there that has membership both on mobility with mobility and delivery benefits as well. And then you, you've seen our tech, which is optimization around cost per transaction, uh, and then an ad business that we're building that is starting to scale. So the combination of all of those four factors, uh, I think, is allowing us to outgrow the category, uh, which generally has been more resilient than other categories as well, and I wouldn't expect anything to change going forward. We do think that we should continue to outgrow the category in delivery uh, going forward based on the environment that we're seeing. Thank you, Dara. Next, next question. You're welcome. Next question. Next. 
Next question comes from the line of John Colantuni with Jeffries. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, so, so mobility continues to deliver impressive bookings growth. Um, maybe you could just help give us a sense for how share, share gains uh, are playing into that versus broader recovery and category usage as we move further past the pandemic. And uh, assuming you are seeing some share shifts, are you starting to see evidence that the investments you've made in driver supply technology and Uber One are allowing you to leverage your network effect in, in driving sort of a permanent competitive advantage that could drive ongoing share shifts in certain markets? And then uh, second question about freight. Um, bookings and EBITDA for freight were, were a bit behind our expectations. Maybe you could just discuss how it compared to your own expectations in the fourth quarter and uh, some puts and takes of what drove could have driven that delta relative to your own expectations. Thanks. Yeah, the first thing I'd say, uh, John, is that um, I've never seen a permanent competitive advantage in my life, uh, and and we don't expect to, right? It's so the advantages that we have in terms of our business and in mobility, we are uh, gaining category position, uh, and we're gaining category position certainly in the U.S. Uh, we are in Europe and in the U.K. and Australia, et cetera. Uh, we're seeing one of our competitors in, in France, you know, spend a ton of money, which doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever, but they've done it before and we pushed them back. Um, and, and, you know, we don't consider spending more money a strategy, right? It's it just like that's maybe that's a strategy when the only thing that counted was how much money you could raise. Uh, and while we see some of our competitors kind of trapped in the spend more money um, uh, strategy, if you want to call it, uh, we are driving, we're using efficiency, we're using technology like upfront uh, fares and destinations, and we're using the power of our platform with membership to win category position the right way. And the right way for us is grow strong top line faster than the category and leverage a bottom line so that you're profitable and you continue to increase profit margins as well. Um, so right now we are seeing kind of the the positive feedback loop of more driver supply leading to more demand, um, uh, leading to more data so that we can target the demand, so that we can match the right driver uh, to the right rider, you know, whether it's reserve or on demand. That feedback loop is happening, but we are going to have to stay on our toes to continue uh, to gain category position while improving margins, and we don't take a minute of that for granted. Uh, uh, you know, we'll continue to do our best. The results in the last year, year and a half have been really, really good, uh, and the trends that we're seeing for now are really good. But the minute we take our foot off the gas, you know, is, is the first minute that uh, a competitor starts to get um, get an advantage over us. So we don't take any of it for granted. So, Nelson, you want to go? Sure. Regarding Uber Freight, so, yes, we're watching the same trends you are. Uh, yes, we wish the freight numbers were better in the fourth quarter, um, but as you know, there's a little bit of a cyclical nature to what's going on more broadly in the industry. Uh, the business continues to do well, and so as you know, we we, we bought the TransPlace business in December of 2021. Uh, we spent a fair amount of last year integrating the business in. TransPlace 4PL business continues to be resilient uh, with everything going on. And what we've seen is our, our Uber Freight, the historical Uber Freight business, has done a very good job using the brand and our tech, our share tech, to really drive out and build out its presence, particularly with what I'd call national brands. Uh, where we need to spend some more time is really focused on, on the small and mid-sized 
uh, shippers, and so we're doing that right now, and we've made some organizational tweaks. We do expect that you'll see us getting some traction there, but the overwhelming um, cycle that's going on right now more broadly on the freight industry is going to continue to impact our business, and so that business will continue to lag likely uh, versus where we would have hoped, and certainly versus a year ago where it was a much different dynamic more broadly in freight in, in this country. Operator, we'll take our last question now. Thank you. Your last question comes from the line of Nikhil Debnani with Bernstein. Hi, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, just a couple, please. Uh, looks like the leverage on promotional spending has been quite good. I think it's the third quarter in a row of sales and marketing dollars stepping down. Um, how much more efficient can that line get? And as a follow-on to that, when you think about your ambitions on gross bookings growth, I mean, do you expect to ramp promotional spending down the road, or do you feel comfortable about growing the business while continuing to get leverage against that, that item? Thank you. So I'll start on the first one in the dark and handle the second half of it. So, uh, again, we're, we're focused on really delivering and balancing our growth and our efficiency. So that's been our path. And I talked about when we took our big call to action in 2020. So as a company, we've been focused on growth and efficiency. Uh, we recognize that we put out targets last year, uh, and our goal is to make sure we achieve or overachieve against them, which I believe we have if you think about the last six quarters. Uh, and so uh, there are times when we might uh, take some incremental dollars and spend back in a specific marketplace, and that would there would be strategic reasons why we would do it. Uh, there might be some situations where we pull back. And so we have a capital allocation framework that we've had now for the past few years, and it's, it's working well is, is what I would say. And so I don't want to say, oh, could, could we actually get very super efficient in the quarter? Maybe. Would we? Likely not. We still think there's a lot of growth, and so our, our, our goal is to really think about, as Dara said, kind of where the puck's going and making sure that we are investing behind those growth levers so we can deliver the kind of top-line growth we're doing um, and delivering over-delivering against the bottom line, which we have been doing. And if you in terms of expect, uh, ramping S&M to drop top line, the way I describe our activities is it's exactly like Nelson said. Generally, we want to leverage all of our cost lines, you know, our, the cost of sales, marketing costs. Um, certainly, we want to leverage our operating costs and make sure that we stay lean as a company. It's just much more fun to win as a, as a, as a small team versus, versus big teams. Uh, and that allows us then to lean into different segments of the business that we want to specifically grow, whether that's a specific geo or that's a specific product. You see us with our Super Bowl ad uh, with Uber One. You know, that's an expensive ad. That is leading into Uber One to drive growth in a very, very strategic product of ours. So strategically overall, our efficiency, our drive to efficiency across the business then allows us to strategically invest in various geos or various areas. And yes, that will include investments in marketing. It will include investments in tech as well. Um, so that we can strategically grow where we can build an advantage over our, our competitors. And as long as we keep kind of driving this efficiency every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year, that opens up avenues for us to invest and deliver the bottom line that investors are looking for over long term. All right. I appreciate uh, the color. I think Thank that's you. it. Yeah, uh, you bet. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, Huge thank you for uh, the Uber team delivering another great quarter and um,
big thank you to our earners who, without whom, none of this would be possible. Uh, 2022 was a uh, really, really good year for the company, and we're looking for 2023 to be an even better year. Thank you, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.